0: all right well hey everyone welcome i'm here today Uh, i am glad to see all of you today i feel a little naked right now without my mask on when i look out at all of you um all right so next week we get to start a new series on the holy spirit which is going to be wild and exciting and fun uh which means today i get to wrap up our life of jesus series which i am excited to do um the passage we are studying today is a little bit predictable. I'm just going to tell you from the start. This is kind of a little quiz. So we've gone through many aspects of Jesus' life. We, we went through his death, the resurrection. Russ and Joseph last week talked about Jesus' interaction with Peter and the commands to feed my sheep. If I were to let you guys guess what we're going to talk about today to end the series, what do you think it would be? Yes! Yes, give it up. That is a man who's been in ministry for 65 years. The Great Commission. Come on, guys, right? So um, I am excited about this. If you have spent very much time in church, um, in a church community, you've probably heard this passage many, many times. And I think there's a lot of passages that we read or we have memorized or we hear over and over. And we sort of start to write them off a little bit. Some people, the more you hear it, the more it soaks into your soul, right? And then some people, the more you hear it, the more you're like, I know, I know, go and make disciples of all nations, yeah, 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 all that stuff, right? Today, I'm going to ask you guys to look at this with fresh eyes and a fresh heart and with fresh ears um, as we enter into this time together. And... Um, There are a lot of different ways to approach scripture, and to start off our time, we are going to do a little activity together. Is Is that good? Yeah? You guys ready? Okay. So as you walked in, there should be, I won't breathe on you, there should be some papers, or if you have something to take paper or to take notes with, that's totally fine. If you can, just write something down or have something to write something down with, that is all I'm asking. You can put it on your phone. These are just little tools in case you didn't have anything. So... This morning, we are going to enter into a little time of a small version of Lectio Divina. Um, does, everybody ha- does anybody need a pen? Yeah? Okay. So if you have not done this before, all we are going to do is I'm going to read our section of Scripture today three different times. Um, after each time, we are going to have just a few seconds, a little time of reflection... Um, a little bit, uh, And there will be a prompt on the screen uh, that you can either lean into and look at and write down some notes um, of what comes to mind to you. But I'm going to read this passage three different times with a space for reflection in between each time. Everybody here can do this activity, whether you're in elementary school or 115. This is a very simple activity. I will also have the words up on the screen in case you would rather read it. That's totally fine. But if you are somebody who likes to listen, I would encourage you to just take a deep breath. Maybe close your eyes, and just kind of listen to what the Lord is speaking to you right now. So let me pray, and then we will jump into this. God, we are so grateful that you have invited us here today, Lord. Um, Jesus, I just ask that you speak to each of us, Lord, um, that you'll speak to us as a community, and that you will just... uh, challenge us to grow and learn and to know you more. In your name we pray, amen. All right, so take a breath, and as I read this, see what sticks out to you. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them, and when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. i spend a minute and just think about what word or phrase stood out to you in that passage and write it down. teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Take a moment to think about what God might be saying to you through this word or phrase that you have chosen in this time. Now hear the passage one last time. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the end of the age. As you reflect, how might God be calling you to act or respond through this word or phrase? Amen. Now, we at New Community believe that learning and listening is always done best in community. So I would encourage you um, after service today to not just fold this up, actually keep them out cause I might have you write a little something else later, but um, find somebody and ask them what they wrote down and be willing to share what you wrote down, both the phrase and what it means to you and what you're learning in this time. And then maybe even ask them to hold you accountable to it. Or, or and, or, uh, do this activity in small group, pick up passage of scripture, dive into it, to it together and share either after each time you read it or at the end. And um, it's a great activity to learn from one another to do this, but we did this for two reasons. One, I want to remind us that Sunday service is not just a time that we come and sit and wait for somebody to tell us what to think. We are never going to do that at New Community. Um, Sunday service is a time that we get to be together and be active and participate in community and participate in learning and dive in together. So that is one of the things I wanted to remind remind us of. The second reason is because as I was studying this passage, this, for the past couple weeks, there were three different things that stood out to me. Um, and it was kind of in this similar form where three things just kind of kept jumping out at me. And so I wanted to share those with you um, as we go into it uh, because I feel like they are things that are just really important for me to learn, but also maybe somebody else needs to learn them as well. So I'm gonna share those my phrases and my words with you. And the first one that stood out to me was something, again, I've read this passage over and over, um, and every time I think of it, I always think of, go and make disciples of all nations, right? And that's the message that I hear, all nations, all people, and everything, which is great. But what I realize is there's something that I've missed every single time that I've read this, I think. I, it just jumped out at me for the first time this time, and maybe you guys have all read this multiple times, and this has stuck out to you. But right before that is one of my very favorite things about Jesus. And, I, and it's something that I didn't realize that I was allowed to do, <laughs> Or that it was a part of following Christ as I was growing up. Verse 17 says, And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. So they saw him and worshipped him, and some doubted. You may be thinking, that's weird, Julie. But that (laughs) phrase right there has been so freeing for me and so life-giving for me over the past five years. In the midst of of the disciples literally worshiping Jesus, like, Jesus is in front of them, they're worshiping him, and some still had doubts, right? Some still had questions. Because think about it, Jesus, they just watched Jesus die, like, literally watched him die, and now Jesus is standing in front of them, and they're worshiping, but they're still confused, and they still have questions. And I think when we look at this, back at that time, you would think, kind of like Russ was talking about a few weeks ago, like, why would, how would you not just know that that's Jesus. We, we are in that same spot. We have questions. We have doubts. But what I love is that Jesus welcomes this. Jesus doesn't get hung up on it. He simply says they worshipped him. Some still doubted. And then what does Jesus do? He sends them. Right? In the midst of doubt. They worshipped Jesus. Some doubted. And all were sent. Because the doubt and the questions did not disqualify them. In other words... Faith and trust and worship and being sent does not need to be absent of doubt and questions. This is how we grow, this is how we learn, this is how we change, and ultimately this is how we know Jesus more, is by asking the questions. And I know I've talked about this often. I even gave a talk a few years ago on Doubting Thomas, and I'm trying to like rally Doubting Thomas from being a negative term to a positive term because I think it's great, and I think he got a bad rap, but... I believe that doubting is simply a catalyst to asking more questions, and asking more questions spurs you on closer to Jesus, and that's a really beautiful thing. But I'm gonna get on my high horse for a second. Too many of us are taught that the truth is what we are seeking, like this ultimate black and white truth that we have to grasp onto, and that if you don't have all the answers or if you have any questions, you are for some reason not enough. And maybe you're not qualified to serve, And that for you, some reasons, that you can't have questions and worship Jesus at the same time. And I think that sometimes when we say we're holding on to truth, what we're actually holding on to is comfort. To be comfortable with where we're at, with what we know, and to justify the things that we do. And I believe that this version of Christianity has done great harm, and it's dangerous. Because if you're unable to dive into the unknowns you can do harm to others. And not only that, oftentimes, when you all of a sudden get to college and you are in a science class and your tightly wrapped little box with a neat little bow of Christianity has kind of exploded a little bit, people freak out, right? Because they've not been allowed to ask questions and to dive and they think questions are bad. But instead, if we grow up knowing that it's okay to ask questions, we go and we say, oh, that's interesting. I wonder what that means. And it's as simple as that. Or people deconstruct their faith and then they stop there because that is what they are trained to do. Believing that if you have too many questions, you must not have faith, instead of simply asking the questions as they come and process them and reconstructing your faith. So, if this is you, if you are in the midst of deconstructing your faith, if you have some major questions, know that you are welcome here at New Community, always. And you're encouraged to ask all the questions. Nothing will scare us, because first and foremost, we believe that we worship a God who is bigger than our questions and can handle them. And two, we've either had the same questions, we currently have them, or we will have them. So we welcome them, so ask all the questions. One author I've been reading lately says this about questions, and I really like it. It says, Truth walks towards us on the paths of our questions. As soon as you think you have the answer... You've closed the path and may miss vital new information. Wait a while in the stillness. I love that line. Wait a while in the stillness and do not rush to conclusions no matter how uncomfortable the unknowing. And then later she goes on to say, stay with the question. The more it troubles you, the more it has to teach you. In time, you will find that the larger questions in life share such behavior. I love that last part, the more it troubles you, the more it has to teach you. And sometimes and often, it's not even in the answer, but it's the process along the way, right? That's where the teaching comes in. Uh, learning and asking questions is a value and a core belief here. If you are new to new community, this is something that we will talk about and we will encourage often. It's why Brittany up in Kids Community has set up a space that enc- not just allows, but encourages kids to wonder and ask and be in awe of the things going on and to ask all of their questions. Joseph is creating a space in youth for students to come exactly as they are and ask all the questions that they have and lean into those questions together. As a team of staff and elders, we've created a safe space for all of us here um, to come just as you are with your questions, with your baggage, with your joys, with your pain, um, and just be a part of this community. So ask all the questions. And remember that while we're asking all these questions, simultaneously we can still worship, right? We are invited to the feet of Christ just as we are. And I'd even go as far as to say that, um, I'd say that it's not just allowed to ask questions, but we actually just shouldn't have all the answers. Because if we are diving into scriptures, if we are putting ourselves in proximities of others who are different than us, If we are living in community, I believe it's impossible to not have questions. Jesus can handle it, God can handle it, the Spirit can handle it. I would even say they welcome it. You were created to learn and think and grow. So let's do it. Let me add one thing though. The other night at Small Group, we were talking about this, and somebody said, I was sharing that this has been impactful for me for the past five years, just this ability to dive into some of my doubt and questions. And somebody asked, Julie, why is it that those questions and doubt brought you, like, how did you, or why did you grow in your faith while some people lose their faith through those questions? And I thought it was a good question, um, because there was times, or there have been times along the way where I've asked some questions, and I'm like, this is, I don't get this, this does not make sense, and this doesn't fit with all the things that I've known. And I think what it is, is I was able to ask those questions in community, with people who love me, and who challenge me, and who push back, and who then also say, ask the next question. And that question doesn't mean you're not a Christian or that you're not following Jesus. They say, ask it, we love it, this is great, let's continue to do this. So as you're asking these questions, as you're reconstructing, do it with people. Doubt and questions are really beautiful, and they can spur us on to beautiful growth. So, in the midst of doubting and worshiping, what does Jesus do next? The next word that stood out to me in my little own Lectio Divina time was go. That word. Simple as that. Go. If I were to line up, if I were to have everybody, we're not going to do this, obviously, but if I were to have everybody go to that side of the auditorium and I lined everybody up and I simply said, on your marks, get set, Go. With no instructions, if I just did that, what, what do you think you would do? Run, right? You would sprint. So some, here's what I would say. Some would probably sprint. Some might think that they're like on an Easter egg hunt and start searching for something. Some would be looking for directions because they know they're supposed to do something. My mom would know she's supposed to do something and wants to know what she's supposed to do and be looking for what to do. All that said, um, Go requires action, and we know this. And I was raised in a gaming family. I bring up my mom, my mom and dad are in the back. You guys can turn and wave at them if you want, they will hate this. <laughs> but um I grew up in a family that loved games. And not like so like a lot of board games, but not just like, oh, this is a nice little game. It's like everybody there really wants to win, <laughs> which is great, and it was always nice, but we all that was part of the fun, right? So even to the point of I think I was 10, we did like this family sports day with another family, not that we were good at it or anything, but we played like basketball and soccer in the backyard. At one point my mom threw the ball so hard at me that it knocked the wind out of me. <laughs> and then about 30 minutes later we were playing soccer and my dad kicks the ball and it knocks the wind out of me. I'm like, man, <laughs> this is ridiculous. And I, I'm, I know my mom is gonna, my mom loves us right now, she doesn't. Um, <laughs> If you know my mom, sweet Grandma Leah, uh, sweetest, kindest, right? She's really like just a nice, nice person, gift giver. I will tell you this. She once broke her wrist in a Christmas gift exchange because she wanted to win the <laughs> present so bad, and I kid you not, she raced for it. And if you bring out a settler's board, my sweet, kind, and quiet dad, <laughs> just watch out is all I'm gonna say. <laughs> All that said, it's all, it's all in good fun. All that said, I was brought up knowing that when someone says go, it's go time. So when Jesus says go and make disciples of all nations, this is not a passive moment. It's not a passive command. Jesus is asking his disciples to go and to take action. He doesn't specify exactly where and who specifically for each disciple, but he says go and last week, Russ and Joseph talked about what it means to feed my sheep. They said some of, the, some of the actions that you could do, some of the ways that you could go would be finding a sitting meeting to go advocate for the underrepresented, or pick the kid that no one else wants to pick when you have to select partners for a science class, or maybe you write the Spokane Jail Warden and request a list of how many incarcerated people have never received a handwritten letter and commit to writing letters to incarcerated people every Thursday night from 7 to 8. Or maybe you advocate for diversity in the leadership of your job and advocate for anti-racist training. Maybe there's simply someone in your life who needs your time and your love and your energy. The point is, the opportunities are literally endless. It's not even necessarily about what, but it's the going. So we're going to do another little activity. So if you have your paper, If I were to ask you right, why I am asking you. I'm asking you right here and right now, who does your heart break for? Is it a person? Is it a group of people? Is it a certain community? Who do you find yourself thinking about and being moved by often in your life? as you're writing that down, answer this question as well. What would it mean for Jesus to send you to that person or to that group of people and bring healing and peace and the good news of Christ? What does action look like? What could action look like if Jesus were to say, go to you? And write that down. Now, below that, simply write the word go. My encouragement to you is simply to go. Either continue the work you're already doing or stop waiting. Sometimes we get stuck in the, but what do I do? And what if I don't do it right? And I would say it's often not complicated. It's simply taking that next step. No matter who you are or what you've gone through or what you're going through, you have something unique to offer. You are uniquely gifted to impact others. And in followers of Jesus, you are called to go, to do, to serve, whatever that means for you. And what it means for you is going to be different than what it means for me, and that's what the body of Christ is all about, and I think that's beautiful. Isaiah, it says, Therefore, my people shall know my name. Therefore, in that day, they shall know that it is I who speak. Here I am. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns, the voice of your watchmen. They lift up their voice. Together they sing for joy. For eye to eye they see the return of the Lord to Zion. Our hope is that we at New Community are people who bring the good news to each other, to our city, and really to all those we encounter. How beautiful are the feet of the person who brings the good news. And as I come to my third and final phrase that stood out to me, I am reminded that yes, we are sent, but we are not sent on our own. Remember, you are not alone. The third and final phrase that spoke to me was, with you always. Jesus says, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. With you always. We worship a communal God, a God that is God, Jesus, and spirit, and we're created to be in community with one another, and we're created to be in community with the Lord. Jesus was sending his disciples. He was saying go, but he was not sending them alone because Jesus was promising to be with them always. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So this means that as we are going, we are bringing the peace and healing of Christ to others and to our city. As we are doing this, Jesus is with us. He's not just saying go all on your own and figure it out. What's really happening is that Jesus is inviting us to partner with him, to partner with the spirit, to be on mission together. Not this, the great commission is not simply a commission, but more of a co-mission, get it? See it? Yeah. Ah. Okay. I can't claim that one. Russ came up with that one, but that's, (laughs) it's pretty good, huh? Uh, We get to do the work with Jesus. We get to be on co-mission with Jesus. We are partnering with the Spirit. We are invited into doing the beautiful work of bringing the peace and love of Christ to others. And Jesus Jesus promises to be with us every step of the way. St. Teresa of Avila reminds us of our part in this when she says, Christ has no body but yours. No hands, no feet on earth but yours. Yours are the eyes through which he looks compassion on this world. Yours are the feet with which he walks to do good. Yours are the hands through which he blesses all the world. Yours are the hands. Yours are the feet. Yours are the eyes. You are his body. Christ has no body now on earth but yours. Jesus has invited us to be his hands and feet and to bring healing and his peace and promises And he promises to be with us always. So, as we wrap up this, remember, in the midst of the disciples worshiping, some still doubted. Yet Jesus sent and promised to be with them wherever they went. And in the midst of our worshiping, we are still going to doubt, and we are still going to ask questions, and we are going to wrestle. And Jesus is going to continue to send us and promises to be with us wherever we go. New community, may we be a community willing to ask the hard questions. May we doubt and wonder and learn and grow and worship together all at the same time. May we enter into co-mission with the Spirit and bring the good news of Christ to all we encounter and live in the insurance that Christ is with us always. Amen. I am going to invite my friend Russ up here for for a fun little announcement.
1: Uh, I love the exercise that Julie just led us through. And part of why I love that exercise is because the Spirit is saying something different to each of us. So Maybe as you were reading through that text or you were listening, maybe you heard the Spirit say something about the idea of worship. What you needed to hear is that You're walking into a season where you're just going to worship Jesus in a way unlike you have before. Or maybe you heard the phrase, all authority. And that phrase, all authority, reminds you of the supreme authority of God in your life. That you don't have to have a moment where you are distrusting God's ability to act on your behalf. Or maybe it was one of the phrases that Julie mentioned or something else stood out to you. But the idea is that we collectively as a community discern how the Spirit is speaking to us. And uh, the thing I want to talk about this morning for just a moment is that we as staff and elders are trying to always be in a space where we're communally discerning. And uh, over this last year, we have spent a lot of time thinking about, praying about, and imagining what it would look like to add an elder to the elder team uh, to continue to serve this community in a way that's really helpful moving forward. And uh, unlike in the past, we would take a little bit of time, maybe month, two, three months, to pray through uh, and just ask God to kind of place into our hearts and minds the names of people who might serve in that capacity. This year was a little different because we took a full year to do that same process and uh, just continued to pray and hope and imagine what would it be or what would it look like to be back together and then to invite a couple people into this process. And uh, so, as we did some discerning, uh, we felt uh, and recently asked both Craig Lammers and Jerusha Emerson. Uh, to step into a role where they serve and love and lead and care for this community. And I'm going to invite them uh, to come forward now. And as they come forward, uh, obviously we believe as a group of elders that both Craig and Jerusha are individuals who uh, model what it means to be someone who's following Jesus. They have a deep passion to know and love the Lord. They practice hospitality they are generous. They are people who embody the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, their families seek to live in community with other families and, and to dive into the life of people. And the list goes on and on, but God continued to surface for us, both of these individuals as people to step into that role. And I'm going to give them just a moment um, to just kind of introduce themselves, maybe tell us a little bit about themselves Uh, And then I'll go over a couple other things before uh, we transition to the end of the service. Craig, we'll start with you.
2: Thank you. Um, Just a little bit about me. Uh, My wife, Max, and I have been worshiping here for about the past four years. Our daughter, Rachel, actually worshiped in the community when uh, the church was by the brewery while she was attending Whitworth College. And that was when we had our first exposure to new community as we worshiped with her a few times. But as we left the church that we had been worshiping, looking for a new community, literally, we came to New Calm on a Sunday. And what stood out to us was during the um, typical meet and greet that lasts for about 45 minutes, Um, The couple behind us really reached out to us in a very kind way, and at the end of the service, they asked us to go out to brunch with them. And we weren't able to do that, but Max and I were really pretty blown away driving home that day of the kindness, uh, the invite, the welcoming that came through that, that gave us a sense this is where we wanted to be. And what keeps us coming back thank you, Julie, is exactly what Julie talked about today. The freedom to ask questions, the freedom to not have the answers. I grew up in a denomination with a lot of answers. And as I've moved through life, a lot of those answers haven't always worked out very well. And we keep coming back because Russ, Kevin, Julie really give us the freedom to ask those questions, to live in tension, to struggle, to doubt, And that's what keeps bringing us back every Sunday. So we just appreciate being here, and I appreciate the invite. Uh, If elected, I will uh, be bringing donuts every Sunday morning (laughs) um, along with the coffee. So. Um
3: yeah hi. Um, I'm Jerusha Emerson for those of you that I've not gotten to meet in person. Um, my husband Bert and I moved here in 2016 and uh, we were really looking for community that was definitely um, what was really high on our on our uh, priority list and uh, that is what we found at New community. Uh, we came in on a Sunday when um, Hope Prince uh, had been approached to be an elder, and we were both super impressed with the process, with uh, the vulnerability of the community, and uh, and then how we saw the community move forward with actually this building uh, was the other thing that just really kind of blew us away. Um, and leaning into trusting the Holy Spirit um, and the the teaching that comes out of being comfortable with what is uncomfortable um, for both of us, coming from different denominational backgrounds, um, marrying, meeting and marrying in our late 30s, um, and then coming to Whitworth as academics and recognizing that we really needed a community where we could be vulnerable um, could be ourselves and could ask those questions that it would not be healthy for us to present ourselves as people who had anything figured out um, and so we have really embraced that new community as a place where we can do that and continue to seek to love and serve and so Uh, To me and to us, as a couple, this invitation feels like an extension of what has been extended to us.
1: And so um, there's a couple things that I want to make you aware of as we kind of move into this process. The first one is this. Um, We have done a short interview with both of them. It will come out in the loop. Uh, over the next two weeks, just so you can get to know them a little bit more. I know some of us, again, by not being together for an extended period of time, maybe don't know either of them very well. And this is an opportunity just to hear a little bit more of their background, who they are, the way they engage uh, in the world with others, uh, etc. Right? So that's an opportunity for you. The second thing, and this is important, and kind of what uh, Jerusha alluded to a moment ago, and that is, that any time we feel impressed by the Spirit, that we're supposed to invite new people into this and do communal discernment as a group of elders and staff, we invite the whole community to discern with us. So it's not communal unless it's all of us. And so what we typically do is we create a two-week window, and over these next two weeks, we're going to ask you to do uh, a few things. One, to pray to pray that God would make it really clear that these two individuals are people to be stepping into this role. Two, we're going to ask that when you hear from the Spirit, that you reach out and affirm that commitment, meaning, yes, we too have heard from the Spirit, or we too, it makes sense to us that these two should step into that role. And then the second thing we would ask you to do is if in any of that discernment process, you sense that there's something between you and one of them. We always make space to make things right. So if there was something between Craig and I, I would reach out to someone on staff and say, I, I would like help in interacting with Craig concerning this. We believe that we can't gather and feast at the table together. We can't love one another in the ways we're supposed to if there is any disunity among us, right? So that two-week period is to lean into that if, if necessary. Uh, but if not, we encourage you, please, affirm that we are also hearing what we think the Spirit is saying to us as a community and inviting these two to serve in that capacity, all right? I'm going to invite uh, Kevin forward now, and uh, we'll move into a time uh, of a few announcements and benediction. And uh, just be praying over the next two weeks, and um, then we'll invite them back up in a couple weeks.